Hey, welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George, episode 129 today. Hey, what a year, huh? As we wrap up 2020, we start to look ahead and we have established a goal here at the podcast, and that's to help all of us begin to put the pieces back together from the dumpster fire of 2020. And so over the course of the next year, we're going to be talking about mental health, relationships, better decision-making, and of course, leadership. So I'm real excited about what's coming up next week. Yeah, if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. also want to let you know that After Amen, our latest book is finally out on Audible. So you can download it today on Audible. Uh, you can even probably get that through Amazon as well. Well, I had a chance to interview a podcast legend recently. Uh, I was introduced to him by somebody else, a good friend named Brian Dodd, who's also been a guest on the podcast. And man, this was just such a great conversation. Mike Lynch is a pastor from Georgia, and he's a podcaster. He has a very successful podcast called Lynch with a Leader, and he's even spun that into Lunch with a Leader, which is a conversation over lunch. He's just a rock star, and I know you're going to be blessed by what he has to say today. I know I was. I even had a chance to be on his podcast as well, which was such fun. He's such a great interviewer and was a great interview. So here we go, my conversation with Mike Lynch. Um, Mike, you um, you have a passion for baseball. I'm sitting here looking at you, and you've got a baseball bat behind you and a glove and a ball. Um, but obviously, you're kind of known for you're a pastor, and you have a podcast, uh, Lynch with a Leader, and you also do something called Lunch with a Leader, uh, and you've got a, a really effective blog as well. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just give us the, the quick details, the Wikipedia version of Michael Lynch. Well, it is it is not long other than my age. That, that's the only long things my age. You know, it's a, it's funny. I, I grew up with a love for baseball, and I really thought, of course, that's where I'm going to spend my life, spend my career. Went off to college to play Division One baseball. Things didn't work out. I had a gift in baseball, and the gift as a pitcher was to find the sweet spot of every bat. So that was my problem. <laughs> and so the team voted that I ought to find a new career. And uh, I never dreamed then, though, Rusty, how those worlds would come back together. You mm-hmm. know, I remember hearing a guy say, God never wastes our time and he never wastes our experiences. And here I am 30 years post that plus, and I look back and and God just somehow weaves that love of the game of baseball and sports into my ministry. You know, I've got friends that are great church planners. I've got friends that are, that are great writers and authors and they, that's where they spend their time. My time when I'm not in my office is spent on a ball field. And it is just that niche where you go, this, this was what I was created to do to bridge that world between ministry and sports and um, so it's it's that little niche and just sort of you walk into it over the course of time. Is that hard to do? I mean, in my mind, it's not to bridge ministry and sports. But when you're on a ball field talking with a player, how easy is it to get into some kind of spiritual conversation? It's amazingly easy. I think two things. One, I think the game, I think every sport drives towards that. So I think there's always that in it. Mm-hmm. I think the second part of that is you're out there every day and so you have a relationship. So you're not a hired gun coming in going, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. You're just sitting in the bullpen mm. 
and they're telling you they broke up with their girlfriend or their parents are getting divorced or uh, yesterday one of the football players of the team I'm a chaplain for, his dad passed away. Well, it's easy to get into an eternal conversation. I mean, I see this kid every day. Mm -hmm. And so it is, for me, I have more meaningful conversations outside of the office many times than I do in the office. And so, you know, because they're lost people aren't hanging around the office. They're they're out there. And so for, for me, that is that world that I think God created for me to walk into where I can feel comfortable and enjoy teaching a game that I love, which is baseball, but, but even more than that, teaching stuff that's going to last forever. So you've worked with a lot of athletes, um, professional, college, high school, and on down. Talk for a minute about what you see in athletes, specifically high school and college, and you think, oh, I wish their parents would have. (laughs) And here's what I mean by that. I mean, we all live vicariously through our kids, and there's a lot of frustrated athletes out there trying to make their kids the next, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw or whatever. So are we putting too much pressure on our kids? Are we are, are we robbing them of something by all of the efforts we put into helping them maybe get a scholarship? Mm. So I'll speak to this in two ways. Number one, I've been that dad. So mm. I grew up with, I, I had a son that I coached all the way through and, and the whole bit. Um, I think if I could tell any parent, it's just enjoy your kids playing. Mm. If, if they are good, they are going to be found. And do all that you can. Get them to camps. Get them in, in exposure events. But then let them be a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the baseball world, you get 11.4 scholarships for 34 spots. So we spend more. If we had saved all the money we spent in travel baseball, we'd pay their way through college. And so, I mean, it's just the way that it is. And so, <laughs> if and I just find parents get so wrapped up in and I think there's a validation in it for us as parents to say, oh, my kid got a scholarship. And that's great. And a lot do. But sometimes the kid doesn't even care. Right. And many times the, the kid understands more than the parent does. And so just enjoy them. Hmm. Enjoy the if, – if we were to sit down with my son right now and we were to say, what were our top moments with you growing up? He would say, the rides home from games. Hmm. That we still talk about it. We would break down the game. We would laugh. We would we'd have hard conversations. But those rides home, I, I, don't, I wouldn't miss those for all the money in the world. And I'm so thankful we didn't tear down the coach and talk about what an idiot he was because he didn't play my kid and hmm. poison him against his coach because now he's helping me coach and we're doing it together. So we're creating a whole new experience with the two of us doing it together. And so just in, if I could tell, and I just had this conversation with a dad at lunch who I used to have it with when his son was playing travel ball. And now his son's in his twenties and he has a job in downtown Atlanta. And he said, I wish I could tell every parent, just enjoy your kids. Just Mm -hmm. enjoy letting them play, do all that you can, and then leave the rest to the Lord to open the door. And that's all you can do. I love that. I love that line that, they will be found if they're good enough. They will be. Uh, with right. all the scouts out there looking around, that's that's so true, and uh, that's that's great wisdom for for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two daughters, so 
I I missed that whole sports thing. Uh, they played, you know, reluctantly, but it was not like I had to. I had the. I didn't have the temptation of of a boy who had basketball talent that I thought, yep. oh, now I can live vicariously through him. So I never right. had to fight that demon. But I think that so many of us um, uh, wrestle with that in one way or another. And maybe it's not even sports. It may be academics. But, That's right. you know, getting into a better situation than, than we were. I want to ask you about, um, about leadership because this is a passion of yours. And I think yep. you come at it from the angle of, uh, of coaching and sports and mentoring and all that, which is just such a great angle to come from. And goodness, there's no shortage of books and theories on leadership from the clinical to just the ball field. What's your take on how to lead? If I were just to say, sum up leadership in a sentence or two, how would you define that? Well, I think, I think Maxwell nailed it when he said leadership is influence, and I agree with mm-hmm. him on that. A few years ago, I went through a course with Henry and Richard Blackaby on spiritual leadership, and they, they made a statement that it sort of changed my viewpoint a little bit. They said spiritual leadership. So when we understand we've gotten to this position, we didn't get there for us. And they said spiritual leadership is not moving people onto your agenda. It's moving people onto God's agenda. And I think when we as leaders reach that point of going, I'm not doing this selfishly. I'm doing this to advance the kingdom. Boy, we have made a quantum leap in our viewpoint of life and our viewpoint of leadership. And and when I heard that, it changed me. And mm. I think so many times, even as pastors, we we just want to get people on board and get people locked in and get people with us. And really, our goal is to get people onto God's agenda for their lives which may mean short-term with us. It may not be long-term with us. And so that, for me, is my definition of leadership now. It's moving people onto, using my platform to move people onto God's agenda for their lives. So I noticed uh, through your platform with Lynch with a Leader, you've interviewed some incredible leaders, uh, Lunch with a Leader that you offer there uh, near where you live, and then your blogs, you deal with leadership a lot. And you deal with some great leaders who, but you know, at the end of the day, you're still a pastor and you're leading sure. your staff and, and volunteers. What's the toughest type of person to lead for you? For me personally, I think the toughest type of leader is somebody who doesn't want to own their leadership and, and they love their title, but they don't want the rest of it. I think those are the toughest. You know, they they love the title on their business card and on their on their on the uh, website, but they don't want to own the responsibility because if we're going to lead like Jesus, right? As Ken Blanchard would say, if we're going to lead like Jesus, then we've got to serve those that we lead. And there's just some that don't want to do that. They want to they want to those to be a servant to them, but they don't want to serve them. And those are the people I struggle with without a servant. People without a servant heart, Mm -hmm. I struggle with in leadership because they're they're missing what I think leadership was created to be. Right. Yeah, that's so true. It's it's sad when you see the potential, but not the coachability. That's exactly right. Not the desire to uh, uh, to kind of learn. In fact, I often joke that I miss our our days we were doing setup and tear down in the gym and the theater because it became the really quick way to learn who's really in this for the right reasons. Exactly. Say, right. Hey, I want to get involved. Great. We meet at five thirty on Sunday morning, 
<laughs> and you learned real quick, you know. Yes, you do. Uh, yes, who you wants do. a platform? And, and, and who, then it tests us. That's it's right. It's like, am I going to help? Or am I just going to say, hey, guys, I, I recruited you, but I'm not going to be there with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Those are good true. days, man. Those are good days and hard days. Yes, they were. They, they're good because we survived them, right? <laughs> hey, tell me about uh, about leadership as parenting. Uh, yeah. You've got your kids who are now grown, but also in ministry. And I know for a lot of pastors out there, they're thinking, boy, if my kids still go to church after they yeah. grow up in church, that's a win. But your kids are in ministry. Tell me just some of the decisions you and your wife made early on that you are still reaping the benefit from. Oh, man, we are we are so my son is twenty six, my daughter's twenty three. Um we are incredibly blessed. I was incre- blessed with an amazing wife who who made a lot of that happen. She's she's behind the scenes and just steady. You know, I think both of us had the blessing. Ann and I both grew up in homes whose parents, they just, none of our parents were in ministry. My dad was in in printing and business, and my mom was in banking, and her dad was a principal, and her mom was a nurse. So, I mean, that wasn't our background. We just watched parents who lived out their faith. Mm. And so I think early on, D- Dave Barnes, the recording artist, said something on my podcast. I asked him that same question. I said, okay, your dad was a pastor. What did he do right? And this was this was Dave's line, and I'd never heard anybody say this before. He said, you know, Mike, we just, my dad lived a functional faith. Hmm. It was what he would have done if he was an accountant. It was no different. We, wow. he just lived it out in front of us at home. Yesterday on Carrie Newhoff's podcast, I heard, um, I heard Billy Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz. They said, what made such an impact on you about your dad? And was it his crusades? And she said, no, it was that he and mom just lived it out every day. And so I think, we, Ann and I, I knew as I could easily be as a coach as much as I am a pastor. So let's just have the same faith. I think we came into that, that consistency that we wanted to have. Not always we didn't have it, but we tried to have it. The second, I think the second phase of that was I heard a guy, and this could be wrong and, and there could be people throw rocks at me for this, but it worked for us. I remember a guy telling me, if you tell your kids you work for the church every time you're gone, they're going to hate the church for making you leave. So we, church is what we did on Sunday. My job at the church is what I did Monday to Saturday. And I would just say, hey, I got to go to work today. I didn't say I had to go to church. I just had to go to work. It was easy back then because you and I were the same. We didn't have a building. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in rented offices and everything was rented, which made it easier. And I didn't want my kids to grow up and despise the church. Everybody's got a job. Every job has its hard points and, and good points. And I didn't want them to despise the church because of the job. Mm-hmm. And um, it worked. And, and and I think the other part of that was I didn't make them do everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Every time the student ministry gathered, I didn't make them be there. Hmm. I would encourage them to be there. But you know what? I want you to love Jesus, I want you to love your family, and I want you to love the church. If we can accomplish those three things by the time you're 18, we're going to be okay. And there's going to be some things we're going to lose on. Mm-hmm. But but thankfully, we look back and go, Jesus, you were so faithful to us through that. Because it could have gone sideways a million times. Mm-hmm. But 
they and we went through some very hard times as a church, very hard times in their teenage years that the church went through some really difficult seasons. But I love the church. I grew up living the church. I saw my parents love the church. And therefore, we didn't come home and talk about how bad it was. We just, everything has its bad seasons. And so we're just blessed. We look back at it now and go, it could have gone a million different ways. And I've got friends like you do who've done everything right. And their kids went a different direction for a Mm -hmm. while. And that, and that happens. Mm -hmm. And so we're hearing my kids now and seeing them do ministry is one of the most gratifying things in the world. I remember Andy Stanley telling me, he said, if I, if I have a choice between two candidates and they're equal in talent and one of them is a pastor's kid, I'll always choose the pastor's kid because they know everything the church officer offers and they chose it anyways. And they chose and it thought, anyway. Man, because some of my best staff members grew up as pastor's kids. Yeah. And they just, they've seen it, man. They're like, man, you ain't even got to tell me. I know. I saw my dad do it. Saw my mom do it. And um, watching my kids, I know during the quarantine, my daughter was home. Their offices were closed, so she stayed home with us. And hearing her do ministry via Zoom, she's in kids' ministry, it was one of the most gratifying things in the world to walk by my son teaching high school students and to hear him teach and use my stories as his own, which are, it's hurtful. Now these kids are all thinking, well, those are Casey's stories. No, those are my stories. He's using my stuff. But you know, it's, it's just, you look back at it and you go, God, you're so good. And maybe, maybe what God has for me wasn't to do something great. Maybe Mm -hmm. my job was to be a great parent and to let them stand on our shoulders and do great things. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Your family obviously had a huge, you know, input in your life, unlike maybe other people discovered or found, and your parents poured a lot into you. You recently lost your parents and your father-in-law. Tell me what that's been like for your family and, and maybe some lasting things that you just reminisce about that were valuable to you from them. You know, I, I lost my mom and dad in, in 2017, uh, dad in February, mom in May, both Incredibly unexpected. And then my father-in-law just recently, um, I, I look back and and think how blessed Ann and I have been to have parents who not only showed us the way and took us to church, but they lived it and they and they made it easy for us to live it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at my my father-in-law who came to know Christ later in life, you know, mm. in his, in his twenties and thirties and his son, his one son is a middle school pastor. His, his one daughter is married to a pastor and his other daughter was a missionary. And I think, you know, how do you do that? Well, he did it by faithful living for the Lord. And so we have been given a legacy mm. and, and I just, I look back and just thank the Lord that we were able to have them as parents and, Thankful as you deal with this all the time too. I'm thankful for the hope of heaven. Yeah. I'm relying on the same hope I've told everybody else about. And now I get to decide if it's true or not. You know, I listen to your story and I think, boy, your cup was pretty full from what was given to you. And you've poured a lot into your kids and that continues to trickle down and be a legacy. What do you say to somebody out there that didn't have any of that poured into them 
they feel empty as can be, and now they've got these kids, they've got this leadership role, and they don't really know how to pour into that next generation. You know, how, how do you fill your cup when it wasn't filled by the previous generation? Well, I would say, number one, it's never too late to start doing what's right. Yeah. And, and that legacy starts somewhere, and maybe it starts with you. 200 years from now, they may point back to you as being that person that decided, you know what? There's more to life than this life. And I promise if somebody is seeking for that person to mentor or pour into, they're out there and they'll find, they'll find you sort of like the scouting thing. They'll find you. There's a church near you. There's somebody near you that would pour into your life. The beautiful thing we have now is you have Rusty George's podcast. You have Andy Stanley's podcast. You got Craig Groeschel's podcast. You've got all these great places that you can get content anytime you want it. Now you can have a mentor you never meet. And, but making that decision that I am going to make my life count is probably somewhere in both of our families, somebody decided that. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it was. And then now it's 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 the Paul talking to Timothy. You know, you got this from your grandmother and you got this from your family. Now I'm fanning into flame what's put in you. And so, but it's got to begin somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so why not you? Why not now? That's so good. And let me just say, the names Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, and Rusty George have never been used in the same sentence <laughs> until you just did that. So listen, thank it, you for it all, that. It, Rusty, it all starts somewhere, right? <laughs> it's got to start somewhere. <laughs> Notice I left mine out because I'm not going to that oh, category. Oh, my goodness. One of these oh, things God. is not like the other. All right, so I want to... I want to wrap up with just some advice to leaders. I look at your, you know, I'm able to see into your office through the beauty of technology and and this uh, platform called Squadcast, but I see all these books up there, some of which I recognize, some of which I have. Um, Who are some leaders that have poured into you, whether it was you knew them or you, you feel like you know them because you read them? Who are some leaders you admire the most that we should lean into? Mm. You know, two leaders in my life, uh, personally, my pastor growing up, a guy named Ike Reichard. Ike was visionary. He he lived it. I, I remember watching as a as a as a young man watching God use his life and him overcome and walk through great adversity. Hmm. Um, and then call that out in me, speak that into me. My youth pastor, who came when I was in ninth grade. And former college football All American, and just a guy walks in, and here I am as a 48 year old guy le- losing my parents, and he's my first call. Hugh, I need you, you know, because I wasn't a 48 year old man at that point. I felt like I was 17 mm-hmm. and leaning on those rock solid shoulders of his to walk me through that season. And then you have those leaders from afar, uh, the Chuck Swindolls. Mm. Uh, anything Chuck Swindoll writes, I try to get my hands on it. Because he's standing the test of time. He's he's been there, he's done that, he's seen it, and he has joy. And mm. that is just so contagious. Max Lucado. Mm. Max Lucado, you just feel his energy. I remember meeting him at an event a few years ago, and I sent him a note, you know, after meeting him and and right thereafter get a handwritten note back from Max. What a joy it was to meet you. Mm. And just Somebody that's at that phase in their journey, 
You know, it's getting harder to find people that are on past me now. So I do have to look a little, <laughs> got to look a little harder now. I don't want to be the old guy. And, and, and you see joy and you see humility and you see, I don't have it all figured out. Rick Warren. Mm. I have never been with Rick Warren. I remember Rusty, he flew into Atlanta. Purpose Driven Life had come out. It blows up. He flew into Atlanta and we had gotten connected through some purpose driven events back in the day. And I went to an event. There were two Caucasian pastors there. There were probably 20 African-American pastors from Atlanta. There were no cameras. There was no, I just got a call. Hey, Rick's in. We'd love to gather a group of pastors. It's after Easter one year. It's probably five, six years ago. <laughs> we gathered in this church and I'm sitting in this room and I know one other guy in the room. And Rick said, tell me about your Easter. And guys went around the room. Some of the guys had 150 people. And I remember watching Rick crying, going, what an amazing. And then another guy going, man, Rick, my church is struggling. I remember Rick stopping the the little small group, walking over, laying his hands on him Mm. and praying over him. I'll never forget that. Yeah, Rick didn't have to be there. He could be on Fox News or CNN. But humility Mm. and joy, Mm. and I think those two things are so contagious that those are what I want. So I'm drawn to the Swindalls and the Lucados and the Warrens that you just go, they're still living. They're not bitter. They're not not finishing weak. They're finishing strong. Mm. That's so good. Such a good word for our people. Something that everybody can do is humility and joy to finish strong. Um, to just leave it in God's hands, let let those opportunities find you, uh, relax and lead where you are. Mm. Mike, that's so good. Uh, tell you. people where they can find all the content that you have out there. Absolutely. If you go to um, Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Lynch, L-I-N-C-H, and then the podcast is Lynch with a Leader. And our Lunch with a Leader that you referenced earlier, all that stuff is located on our North Star YouTube channel. And Lunch with a Leader uh, are lessons from characters in Scripture that we take We take the life of David and we break it apart for a year and a half to share it with local business leaders. And, and so I think the past, uh, well, since COVID, so all of those now since COVID are now on video that are on our North Star Church YouTube channel. So if you go to North Star Church, Kennesaw, or North Star Church, Georgia, you would find that YouTube channel and have all that information. That's fantastic. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rusty. Praying for you and to pray, pray greatness over everybody listening today. Thank you, sir. I love that guy. And I think you probably do too. His uh, winsome nature and encouragement is so, so helpful. Well, Out with the old and in with the new. Join us next week for a brand new podcast talking about prayers I'm praying in 2021. And I hope that you make that one of your New Year's resolutions to pray more in 2021. I'd love for you to join me. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you haven't hit subscribe, go ahead and do that so you make sure you get fresh content constantly delivered to your podcast inbox and share this with a friend who you think might be encouraged by it.